0: Can the concept of gift reshape the economy? Mark Sampson is completing his dissertation on the topic of theology and social enterprise at King's College in London. He draws on theology and economics to claim a new way forward for the church. He recently published an article on the topic entitled The Promise and Peril of Missional Entrepreneurship. Through his work with the Transformational Index and the Community Matryoshka House in London, Mark works extensively with organizations and churches looking to innovate and measure their social impact. You're listening to The Distillery at Princeton Theological Seminary. Mark, thank you so much for talking with me today.
1: Great. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm looking forward to this conversation.
0: So we are talking about theology and social enterprise. So why Why do we need to have this particular conversation?
1: Yeah, so from my perspective, um, and I would say this, but social enterprise is uh, a fascinating, in some ways, quite recent phenomenon. And it it really is the result of some significant changes that are going on in society right now. And it wasn't that long ago um, where uh, government had its space and then business had its space and then what we call civil society you know, the third sector had its space. And they were quite boundary spaces with different legal entities and different responsibilities um, and different regulations in each of those spaces. But in the last 20 to 30 years particularly, they've started um, dissolving. And so you get a whole bunch of really interesting things happen, some which are, are quite positive and some which are absolutely not. So you have these instances at the moment where, the, the, the space between government and business has dissolved to the extent um, that you get things like during the um, Iraq war, where there were more private contractors on the ground um, than there were members of national uh, military, and um, which are fascinating kind of influence of business into, into the sort of war process. Um, and social enterprises is, is somewhat similar, but very different because it's really to do with the dissolving of the boundaries between um, business and charity or philanthropy, um, and it wasn't that long ago that you know the kind of the the, the kind of public perception around business was that it exists to make um, profit, particularly you know for, for um, companies that um, are owned by shareholders, um, and yet as you you know as we're all aware from from recent sort of press and recent movements, that that's beginning to change significantly. And at the forefront of that change is, is this phrase social enterprise, which really, it, it can mean quite a variety of things. No one's- Yeah, concerned. who's gonna ask? You gotta share with us your working definition of it. Yeah, for me, a social enterprise is um, uh, an organization that that's it, primary purpose is to um, have a social impact. And it does so um, through, um, trading. Uh, now not entirely, you know, what I mean is the kind of trading of goods and services, and that's the kind of enterprise component, but the social, the social impact that it exists for, that's very much it's, it's intent. That's its purpose. And it's not to say that that organization needs to generate all of its income through trading, but at least that's a key part of, of how it exists and what it exists to do.
0: So in your mind, what makes that a theological task?
1: That's excellent. Well, for me, a kind of theology, I guess, is is about a way of seeing the world. It's how do you see? What do you see? And and particularly, you know, the theologic, you know, the kind of God reasoning. How do you see with God reasoning in, you know, in all aspects of life? Um, and so in, in one sense, for me, that's a kind of a natural question. Well, of course, it's a theological <laughs> thing to look at. But I think w- what I mean, is, where, it, where I'd get more specific on that is that I think um, where theology has an interesting contribution in the kind of wider public debate um, is, partic- is areas where there's evidence of and a need of new imagination. Um, and I think social enterprise is a kind of it's an exploration of of a new area of imagination um, trying to bring together some very different things. Or so it might appear. Um, and it's not, you know, one of the things I'm very interested in my research is exploring the kind of imagination that helps us make sense of this sort of thing. And I think theology has an enormous gift um, in that particular area.
0: So whose work is this? Is this? I, I mean, in part, I assume the answer is all of us. Right. But in particular here, I'm thinking of, you know, pastors who feel really stretched thin. And when they hear social enterprise, they think, is that now part of my job description? Does the church need to now go and, and you know, transform the economy? Does that question make sense?
1: Yeah. So where, I mean, I think it's for many people, I think, out there, for pastors and, and others, this, this question might creep up on them. Um, so I wouldn't say you need to go out and look for it, but it might come quite soon because um, because part of part of what's been going on right now is that the, the, because the old distinctions are breaking down um, you know between charities and businesses and government all of these things there's become this kind of almost a melting pot now where things are crossing over each other, and what that helps us do is it recognize helps us recognize how certain things need not be how they've always been. Um, and then, particularly when you put in the kind of current situation, so what's happened now for churches and theological institutions and others is that their current economic models are are breaking. And we're seeing institutions close, we're seeing churches struggle because of donations reducing, we're seeing context changing. And what that what that forces in some way to do is to to imagine new ways of resourcing these things. And as soon as you start doing that, you're instantly engaging with economics and you're instantly engaging with um, different ways of thinking about organizations. Um, And that can be done in a very rich and fruitful manner. And it can also be done in a kind of very pragmatic and uh, sort of neutral manner. And um, where you think it doesn't matter how we get our money or how we get our resources as long as we get it. And so my encouragement is to see that as uh, as significant a theological exploration as preparing um, for a sermon or, you know, or, uh, you know, officiating at a Eucharist or whatever the kind of or context that people are in. Um so, so to kind of to expect that that this is coming, and then also to think about, which i'm personally interested in and it's not for everybody, is that um you know, what what is the relationship of of sort of more enterprise based approaches um you know in this, in 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 ministry and in in that life now for many people, that sentence is just a red flag like <laughs> you know these things are aren't these things radically different but i don't think they necessarily have to be you know there's interesting stories emerging of this um you know a church in the in the northwest that started a pub um you know of, of other people you know basically engaging with their communities and societies through enterprise Um, because they see that as the, being the chance as we mentioned earlier to embody um something alternative and to be reflective of, of something of that of God's reign or rule that they want to see see reflected in into their neighborhoods. So I think it in many ways, you know, some some will go looking for it and others it will creep up on them. But I think a lot of us will have to engage with some of these questions.
0: What was there a particular problem that that you saw that kind of drew you into this type of research?
1: Yeah, it was. I think there's two things that were going on with me. One was I started studying theology um, in a formal uh, way. I started studying at at the time of the economic crisis in 2008. Yeah, Um, and I particularly started studying kind of that drew me into questions of theology and economics, Um, and so that was going on. But at the same time, I after I graduated from my master's, I ended up um, working in a business consultancy in London, and it was fantastic. But I ended up running into certain practices and certain ways of thinking that I, that I thought were kind of quite destructive. Um, and in that process, uh, the two of them started coming together more and more. And then along with some other friends of mine, I began to explore, okay, what's some alternative ways of actually um doing enterprise differently and particularly you know by by just getting involved in as i always sort of have been in various ways some of the stickiest social issues and challenges that are around us and so it was both an intellectual thing but also a very sort of practical thing as well for me
0: what were some of the things that you saw in that consultancy that you found problematic
1: i think it, it i think it was the questions you don't ask um or the the kind of perceived assumptions of 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 what success looks like, and uh, the kind of you know and it's not that the people were fantastic, and lots of the things that were going on weren't weren't bad, but I just felt like we you just weren't able to have a full conversation um, or, a, or, or or how you um, helped organizations or businesses succeed. Um, it was deemed that the sort of profitability is is the only thing that really matters um and it wasn't that the people engaged didn't think that that's, they wouldn't say that that's what they believe, but that was the kind of tools that they had. Um, and so it became, became how you shaped things. Um, and so for me, there, there was parts of that, that I thought this isn't, this isn't quite right. But at the same time, what's kind of interesting, even in those contexts, the, the way that an economist would describe the kind of business enterprise that wasn't also true of what I saw around me. So at the same time, there were signs of, of a different ways of, of, of thinking, but there wasn't the language or tools to kind of uh, make the most of that.
0: So you ground some of your thinking in talking about a civil economy in 15th century
1: Italy. Yes. Why would I do that?
0: Can you humor me and go there a second?
1: <laughs> yeah. So the, the phrase comes from these two Italian economists. Um, and they're really trying to, you know, precisely in that way, they're trying to come up with a phrase um, which recognizes that the economy and the civil society are not separate, but they're actually, they can be combined and that can form a different imagination about society. So a civilized economy or a humanized Economy. So, what's interesting is that we've got um, there's a story behind economics that we have in in uh, the US and in England, which in many ways starts with Adam Smith. And the story goes that you know that that humans, you this is Adam Smith's story. Humans have this propensity to barter and trade, right? It's this idea that 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 for years and years and years we we kind of get what we want by trading one thing we have with what somebody else has. And eventually we, you know, money was invented in order to mediate that exchange. So, so we began to trade money instead of things. And, and his story is about um, this kind of natural inclination towards our self-interest is the very thing that um, becomes. Uh, something of social benefit. And so he used, not very often, but he used a phrase called the invisible hand. And he said, it's not, it's not the benevolence of the butcher and the baker that get, puts the sort of bread and meat on your table, but it's their self-interest. But that's a good thing because it puts the meat and bread on your table. So the invisible hand takes all of our kind of self-interestedness and turns it into something that is of benefit for everybody. So that story has dominated our understanding of economics. Um, and it's about a kind of self-interestedness, it's about transaction. And it's, um, it's about that, uh, if you allow people to pursue their own choices in that what they want to do, then we will have the best possible society. And so you get movements towards deregulation. You get the idea that giving people as much choice as possible individually is the best thing for everybody. Um, which is, you know, why we've got such a marketized society that we have today. Now, in Italy, you know, there's two um, economists called Bruni and Zemangni. They, they tell a different story, which is really helpful. So in Italy, it did, you know, that's not, you know, Adam Smith. But instead, there were there was, um, economies that happened in city-states um, in, I think, the 16th and 17th century and, and, and a bit later than that. And there, within their kind of ways of practice and the ways of talking about their economics, um, were language such as gift and reciprocity. And so what you found was that, that it wasn't just down to a sort of self-interestedness as the driver for economics, but it was a recognition that yes, self-interested is there, but also there's gift. And gift, of course, is a very different way of understanding uh, how um, something is ordered, how you, how you can contribute and have um, things contributed back to you. Um, and so there's something within that that I find really interesting because in our, our default setting in sort of England and America and probably modern day Italy as well to some extent, is that gift is something that happens outside of economics and outside of business. You know, that's, that's what happens in philanthropy. That's where the language of gift and reciprocity lies. In business, it's about self interest and transaction. That's that. And so we need to keep them separate. But of course, this story suggests that maybe they don't have to be separate after all.
0: Is there a passage of scripture or a story that really moves you in this direction?
1: Yeah. And that's a great question. So recently I've been um reading uh the work of uh John Barclay who's a, a New Testament scholar. He's written a book um in the sort of a couple of years ago now, maybe 2 years ago called Paul and the Gift. So so what he does um and this book made a bit of a splash I think in the Paul the world of people interested in Paul and uh it it he, he makes a splash by reimagining or redefining the kind of debates that have happened for centuries about what this word charis, you know, this word which is mostly translated grace, what grace means. And obviously Luther, Augustine, you know, big debates there and big debates ongoing with the kind of new perspective of Paul and the like. And he does so by, by first starting with anthropology, um, which is actually a very uh, related Um, question around gift to the civil economy. And the sort of anthropologists and social scientists, beginning with a guy called Marcel Mauss, have been reflecting on gift and exchange because they found that in sort of non-Western, they call it archaic societies, that that the economics of those societies functioned entirely through gift and reciprocity. Um, And Mauss particularly was, was arguing that this is a different way of of thinking about exchange that needs to inform our kind of narrow ways of understanding it, and so John Barclay takes this debate and says, you know, when we think about grace, we come at it with these particular notions of what a gift is, um, and those particular notions are kind of socially constructed. So if we kind of untangle that a bit, what can we learn about how Paul uses this word? Um, what what does gift mean for Paul in the New Testament? And particularly with the kind of communities um, that Paul kind of inspired in the early church. And Galatians is fascinating in this regard. So, so in terms of passage of scripture, for me, Galatians and, and thinking of the word, um, all the ways in which the language of gift is used in Galatians is fascinating. And what Barclay argues is um, that specifically in Galatians, Paul is arguing that the the gift of Christ um, or the Christ gift um, com- entered into the world, a kind of new um, kind of community. And particularly what he talks about is he's this word, it's the incongruous gift. And what Barclay is saying throughout the incongruous gift is it's one that has no regard for existing um, notions of worth or value. And um, so this gift sort of breaks apart socially constructed ideas of worth. So and that's why in Galatians, there's this, you know, the famous passages, there's no longer slave nor free, uh, male nor female, you know, Gentile nor It's that we're all sort of one in Christ. And that's because there's this this dynamic of the gift or the grace of Christ that changes the social dynamics. And I think that has an enormous implication of of how we might think theologically about economics precisely because it gives a certain character to this word gift right it's not just it's not just vacuous it's not just an abstract idea actually it's fundamentally the christ gift and what that does is it it breaks into the world a new kinds of communities and so when we then think about okay what kind of enterprises should we start or run or be a part of? And I think that there's something very substantive there that, you know, these need to be enterprises that intentionally and embody, but also practice <laughs> um, kinds of communities that disregard all existing, you know, forms of social worth and value, that actually goes to places where people are disregarded, where people are marginalized, um, particularly from economic. Engagement and practice and says, this is where we're going because this is what um, is part of our economics um, is to do this. And so, I mean, in many ways, I think that that what what Barclays are unlocking has a whole bunch of interesting implications. But but what's fascinating for me is that when we start using the word gift um, in our thinking about economics, there's such a rich theological um, way of framing that word that it enters into our our conversation, you know, concepts or things that naturally we don't think of when we think of economics.
0: So can you share a story of a way that you're seeing this embodied or you're attempting to embody a new reality uh, yourself or with a group of people?
1: Yeah, so um, that's excellent. So so I'm part of a a little community. Um, So I'm part of Matrishka House, which is... um, that's the, our organization where we're fascinated about social innovation and impact, but alongside that I'm also part of a, a smaller community in Southwest London um, in Wandsworth and we we're, we're just we're very small we're five sort of four or five families um, that've been kind of living near each other for for a kind of up to nine or ten years now and and we've kind of been inspired by thinking about how does some of this stuff, um, more intuitively than, than kind of coming up with the idea and, and enacting it, but more intuitively, how can we be a different kind of presence in our neighbourhood? Um, and in that process, we've, we've started, and we all work, so we've all, we've all kind of got daytime employment, but we've, we've started three um, projects um, over this last few years that are particularly engaging things that we see as meaningful in the space so one is a kind of um urban farm uh which we've got an acre of land in central london which is hard to get <laughs> we yeah. borrowed it we borrowed it from the largest prison in europe uh it's not inside the prison it's just outside and we started a farm where we're exploring um using that growing food and thinking about land and place and particularly within that thinking about and practicing a different economy where people contribute time and effort and are reciprocated with sort of fresh fruit and vegetables as one aspect. But we also do lots of outdoor education there and we're engaging with marginalized people through this particular space, which is fascinating. We've also just started a cafe, um, which is in a third of the main church in our neighborhood. And after a long period of time, managed to persuade them this was a good idea. <laughs> that took a while. Um, and which is fascinating. And it's a blend of, it's run by staff, but also volunteers. And it's got this fascinating mix of trying to create a new kind of space um, for the community where people can come and do all sorts of things. So I was actually just there um, an hour ago because we're doing a, Um, A lunch a sort of free lunch for old people today and you know yesterday they had a group that were uh, of sort of young adults with uh, severe autism come in and they're beginning to sort of use it as sort of work experience there's all sorts of interactions in a community um, but it has a kind of financial engine behind it you know it's a kind of it's a sustainable business but at the same time it's, it's blending everything, <laughs> you know, into one thing as a big experiment. And it's, you know, fascinating yeah. the challenges that you face with. So, you know, you've got someone who's a volunteer working next to somebody who's paid. How does that change things? What does the dynamic do? How do you create a good environment or culture there? Some people are charged for food. Others, because they're in need, don't don't have to pay. Um, you know there's all sorts of which you know it's kind of live experiment and the other project is is one which is where we've been involved in sort of direct aid but also beginning to look at resettlement of um, refugees Um, which you know again is not separate from these questions about economics so so yeah it's kind of an ongoing experiment lots of things have gone well lots of things have been an absolute disaster
0: (laughs) well that's the nature of trying new things isn't it yeah absolutely What do you think can help lift the veil for folks who are really excited by these ideas but kind of don't know how to get the juices flowing to expand their imagination?
1: Yeah, I'm so, I mean, I'm, one of the things I, I love doing and I'm privileged to do is to help, help people start organizations and start enterprises. Um, you know, take them from the, help them with taking from the idea stage to the launch stage. Um, and it's really fascinating. It's a real privilege to get to see that. And, and the, one of the things I've learned from, from seeing people a number of times is it's, it's rarely about resources. <laughs> and in fact, having resources can be a problem. Um, it's really about inspiration uh, and, what, and, and that sense of, of drive that comes from within someone of, of actually I'm frustrated and I want to see a better world. And one day they just have an idea or something is said to them and they spark an idea and says, yeah, I could do that. I think I could do that. And, and that for me is the key, is that kind of attentiveness to the world and attentiveness to our own sort of vocational journeys, where, where when things become in front of us that, that, that suggest, hey, why don't you try this or do this? And that we, we take that seriously. And we, 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 you know, we endeavor to, to follow that. Um, and it is challenging to, you know, you know to, to kind of try and do something different, as we all know, always will have a cost somewhere and it will never be simple or straightforward. But one of my things I, I love is, is working with people that have kind of captured that, you know, that have seen something different, motivated by their faith, motivated by their own story and how that intersects with the world. And said, OK, I want to start something that, 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 that addresses this or speaks to this or challenges this. Um, and in many ways, you know that that kind of individual passion, when it's particularly, and I've seen it was most, fruit, most fruitfully, when it's nurtured in communities of people around that say, "Yes, we're behind you, we're with you," um, and that's what gives me, at least theoretically, the most uh, encouragement for the role that the church plays in this. Is is this kind of, uh, at its best, the church is a kind of a fertile place for imagination and community and oriented towards a very strong sense of of both where the world is in pain but also what healing looks like as well um and so i i see churches as very natural places for these kinds of uh entrepreneurial and or kind of endeavors to begin or at least be inspired out of
0: you've been listening to the distillery at princeton theological seminary I'm your host, Sherry Osting. On our production and research team, we have Garrett Mastowski and Nee Otto Abrahams. Christy Holly works the creative design angle. From the whole team at Princeton Seminary, thanks for listening.